a lot of people, um, th- those that like to pretend that they are edgy and unique, uh-huh. uh, like to cite their favorite Christmas movie as Die Hard. <laughs> Um, but I, I, I can say that's not my favorite Christmas movie. Chris, do you have a favorite Christmas movie? Uh, I really like Nightmare Before Christmas. Like, that's one that I grew up with that came out, like, that hit right when I was in the right time for that movie, when I was in, like, my early teens or so, maybe, or, like, late tweens, whatever you want to call that period. So that, that hit at, like, just the right time for me to, to really dive into that, and that's kind of been a favorite movie of mine, just in general. Okay. You consider it more of a Christmas movie than a Halloween movie, or it's both. It, right. it is very much both. Okay, cool, cool. Um, yeah, like I've, I've, um, there's, there's a few Christmas movies that I enjoy. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm not a very Christmassy person. No, I'm not. I'm really not either. I, I don't get into the spirit of it. I get that from my mom. And, uh, but I mean, there, there's a few. I mean, I, I'm definitely subscribed to the nationwide phenomenon that is a Christmas story. Um, that uh, one's, that one is a classic. For yeah, me. it's one of those movies where like. I like it fine, but it's so overplayed that I am super tired of seeing it. Sure. Just because, like, um, you know, the, the TBS does the whole, like, we're going to air it every, all day, every day for, like, seven days up to Christmas now. And it's like, that, okay. that That's a little much. See, I see for me, um, I can definitely see where you're coming from on that. Mm-hmm. I, I'm the type that I don't get tired of it. I mm. think that it's, it's a great background yeah. movie. But, yeah. But it is not my favorite Christmas movie. My favorite Christmas movie... Is Gremlins. Okay, so, okay. That is, hands down, my absolute favorite Christmas movie. Love it to death, and I will fight you on it for sure. Um, I wasn't arguing with you. Chris, don't argue with I'm me. I'm not arguing this. with you. This is my favorite Christmas movie. Welcome to Creature Crunch, the uh, the podcast where we watch a fun Christmas movie, take the monsters in that movie, and crunch them down into a stat block, but hopefully not after midnight. Uh, my name is Matt. And I'm a dead Santa in a chimney. And uh, as said, we are we're covering uh, we're covering Gremlins. Uh, Merry Christmas, everybody! If you celebrate Christmas, um, and uh, happy what is it this year? Saturday, I think so. Something like that. Yeah. I, I mean, I guess I've, we've got technology. Yeah, I, can I got a calendar um, right the fuck here, man. <laughs> it's it is yeah, a Saturday. Yeah, happy Saturday. Happy Saturday. If you do not celebrate Christmas, that's cool too. Um, I did think uh, a little bit too late that I mean we we both relatively celebrate christmas i mean we like recognize to, christmas more so than most other more like most other a holidays certain degree but it's like well our families like, do even I mean, with even with my family it's like we don't really celebrate christmas so much as we have winter fun holiday right <laughs> like there's no religious aspect to it at all i'm an atheist raised by agnostics like that's not going to happen <laughs> yeah yeah and i'm i'm i feel you um but like that is the that's kind of the holiday that's more or less right. recognized in our group. So uh, I do apologize to any viewers or listeners that uh, if we can find some sort of like Jewish 
monster movie. <laughs> well, see, that's what I was thinking. Maybe I'm, I'm thinking do... that next year, uh, for next year, we're not going to do a Christmas holiday movie. Okay. We're going to do. We're, we'll try to find something for Hanukkah, and then we'll try. For, I figure we'll we'll dance around I, it a bit. I don't know. I don't know. Yeah, it, it, it well, might be tricky. We'll play that one by ear. But yeah. I, I do want to recognize that Christmas is not the only holiday, uh-huh. despite what uh, America capitalism <laughs> yeah. tries to tell you. Um, but uh, but yeah, um, we're covering uh, we're covering Gremlins. Yeah, and uh, it. Yeah, there's just like a lot of really good Christmas creature movies. <laughs> there really are. There so, really are. I really wanted to do Krampus at some point. We'll that do one Krampus was probably at some another point. fun one. Rare exports, um Christmas horror story. Like there's there's a, there's a bunch of a good bunch ones. of them, yeah. So but this like I said, this one was my personal yeah, favorite. Yeah. And it, and it's honestly one of my favorite movies oh, of yeah, all time. This it's, movie's a delight. It is Despite its problems, or maybe even maybe even uh, in spite of its problems, uh-huh. I I definitely love it. Um, I right now uh, I don't know where I lost. Where I, you going, man? I, I don't. I don't know. Come, come back. Come back to me, Matt. Okay. Come back okay. To me. Okay. Um, I found this movie actually though, as much as I love it, and maybe because I love it so much, I found this one actually really difficult to cover for for Creature Crunch. Yeah, because I've seen it so many times mm-hmm. that I I feel I felt like I knew the story inside and out. I knew the characters. I knew all of this the plot. Yeah, points. yeah. But then when I was covering it, I had the movie on in the background instead of like actively watching it, and I found myself having to rewind a lot. And oh, really? Double check on characters. I'm like, okay, well, wait a minute. Actually, maybe I don't quite know as much as I thought I did. And then of course. Because also because this movie is such a cult phenomenon there is a dulge of information about it yeah and there it was, really is and there's so much like little background stuff in the movie too yeah it's packed with easter eggs and cameos and mm-hmm. it was i found it very difficult to parse through everything and and kind of separate out what i wanted to cover and how i wanted to cover the synopsis yeah yeah because i didn't want this episode to be you know three hours long um <laughs> so uh i actually I skip a lot of the more fun aspects of the movie, the little moments in my synopsis. But I mean, yeah. then again, at the same time, I imagine our listeners have also seen this movie a million times, so it's not that it's, big of a deal. Yeah, it's yeah, pretty good chance of that. So, uh, without further ado, um, I think that we should just go ahead and jump on in. Okay. Uh, if let's for, do the thing. Yeah, as as always, if for whatever reason you have not seen Gremlins and don't want to check it out, I mean, there are going to be spoilers in this. Uh, for what it's worth, not that. Spoilers for Gremlins is probably too high on people's like. Uh, probably watch list, not. This but... movie is as old as I am. So... Right. Yeah. So, but I, I have to give the obligatory yeah spoiler warning. So, uh, so the movie was directed by Joe Dante, who has worked on a number of other films yeah, yeah. and has this horror comedy style that, he, that he's. Definitely someone that I imagine we'll be seeing again on this show. Uh-huh. Definitely. Definitely. I mean, if for no other reason, Gremlins too. Yeah. But um, but he he's definitely incorporates that cartoon style comedy, and that really comes to shine in Gremlins. Yeah, he's very inspired by, like, at least in this movie, by, like, the Looney Tunes and stuff like that. Like, very much so, especially in, like, the bar scene and stuff like that. Oh, absolutely. The bar scene itself is just, I mean, that that is the cartoon. Yeah, um, yeah. But uh, it, it was written by Chris Columbus, who ended up going on to direct um, the first two Home Alone movies, and that's okay. where he really made his name was yeah. in those. He also did uh, Mrs. Doubtfire, and then eventually the first two Harry Potter movies. So. Well, they can't all be winners. Nope. Um, 
Columbus came up with the story, uh, or at least the idea for the the script, while he was in bed one night in his uh, in his loft, uh, and he could hear, uh, as he described it, it, what sounded like a platoon of mice coming <laughs> out of the dark and skittering around. And he said that the noise that they made was evidently very very creepy. So I imagine so, yeah. <laughs> so I mean, I, I you I definitely see that inspiration in like Billy's attic house or mm-hmm. attic bedroom. Um, it's one of those bedrooms that like I always wanted as a kid, uh-huh. like. Uh huh. <laughs> it's so weird. <laughs> no, it is. I mean, it's it's the it's the uh, the child idea of of the perfect man cave for well, for yeah, a kid. It, it's or a kid cave rather. It's his own room. It's a big space. It looks kind of like a treehouse almost. Uh-huh. Like it is. Yeah, it it's filled with just yeah yeah. yeah. It's it's like an organized mess. It, like yeah, he's got a he's got his own TV in there, which was like the fantasy for me when I was a kid. Like, and it's I, mounted up on like the yeah rafters, yeah, so you can watch while so... he's laying down in bed. No, and he's it's... got all sorts of movie posters up there. It's great. Um, I'm starting to now realize how much of my own living space I have unconsciously based on this room. <laughs> <laughs> it's the dream. Um, but uh, Columbus wrote the script as more of a proof of concept that he actually had writing chops. He, he had no intention of this becoming right. a movie. But Spielberg apparently liked it so much that he decided to run with it. He thought it was a very original idea. It was just like, no, we're doing this. And Spielberg produced this one, correct? correct. He was an okay. executive producer, which is very important for a few reasons. Um, it, it, the movie released in 1984 was very well received, yeah. gained uh, box office and critical success, much to Dante and Columbus's absolute absolute bafflement yeah um however it was scrutinized for the violence in it uh as at the time it was just rated pg because pg-13 didn't exist yeah, it, you had what was it g pg and then r and then r and then x beyond that yep and, and spielberg who had also done of course uh indiana jones and the temple of doom that came out that same summer was mm-hmm. and was also criticized for it these this was kind of the final straw and he officially pitched to the mpaa to uh, come up with a concept, or to come up with a rating between PG yeah. and R, and therefore PG-13 was created. So Gremlins and Indiana Jones are the two kind of like pioneers of the PG-13 rating. Yeah, I remember I remember hearing that. Mm-hmm. Um, the, uh, the concept of Gremlins itself, mm-hmm. like, I mean, obviously this is not an original idea. No, no, no. Um, it was, it, it's been, like, proven records have dated back to World War II, where the Royal Air Force uh, jokingly blamed mechanical failures on the small creatures with mm-hmm. spiky backs, large eyes, and sharp <laughs> teeth. Uh, and they even started using the term Gremlin as slang amongst a lot of the pilots. Right. I um, always remember that uh, that Looney Tunes cartoon of the the Bugs Bunny cartoon of the little dude hitting the the little gremlin, the little gremlin, yeah, hitting the mm-hmm. uh, the shells with a hammer, trying to get them to to ta- be tampered with, to get them to malfunction. Yeah, and from what I understand, uh, later into the production of the movie, the that cartoon was actually supposed to come out at around the same time as the movie and coincide, and maybe even be featured as part of the movie. Uh, mm-hmm. Didn't obviously fall through, but yeah. but no, that's that's kind of the the link there, but. Uh, but yeah, that's where it comes from. That's where Gremlins, yeah. that term comes from and where the idea came from. Um, I, I also always think of that uh, Twilight Zone episode with, with the, Shatner yeah. and the, the Gremlin on the wing of, there's a man on the wing of the plane! Yeah, exactly. And it, I, I didn't do any research into that. It didn't come up well, in no, my, but... this research, but I imagine that it had some sort of oh, influence yeah. here and yeah. there. Um, in 1943, uh, Roald Dahl wrote a book called The Gremlins, which uh, was based on that fl- folklore, and he wrote it for Disney, which had, at the time, uh, they, they were working on an animated movie uh, of, of Gremlins. Huh. Um, it, it obviously fell through, uh, 
but uh, Dante apparently re like read the book and was obviously very influenced by it in this movie. I'd never heard of that book before. Mm -hmm. Like, I did I, my research. Yes, you did. You, you always do. <laughs> um, like, I, I I'm very familiar with Roald Dahl's stuff. Just for one thing, I've worked as a children's librarian for a little bit, so right. like, you're going to get into that. And um, but that one, like. I've never even seen a copy of that one before, so I, yeah. I've never heard of it. Yeah, no, I, I got most of my information off of Wikipedia, yeah. and that's what it tells me. So, um, the movie was originally going to be released at Christmas as a Christmas movie. I mean, right. the, the plot have features pretty centrally around that's Christmas. Not, like, I always remember that it features Christmas. I always forget like how Christmas centric this movie is. Right, like, right. Like, uh, there's a lot of people who do like to uh, to bash the, or at least be the the next step of hipster of oh, you know, Die Hard isn't a Christmas movie just because it takes place in during Christmas. Yeah, a Christmas movie has to have a plot centered around Christmas, and I think that Gremlins absolutely yeah, qualifies for sure. Because the whole like kickoff of the plot is it's a Gizmo is a Christmas gift. Yeah, yeah. There's just... and then there's a lot of Christmas iconography at least in the uh, right. in the house scenes. So right, and even throughout the town, like uh -huh. they're they're showing Christmas movies at the theater at yep. one point, and they're watching It's a Wonderful Life on TV yep. and making Christmas cookies. And yep, 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 yep. It, it is one hundred percent a Christmas movie. I just always forget like how much of a Christmas <laughs> movie it is. But yeah, and it was originally intended to be released in Christmas, but Warner Brothers apparently realized that they didn't have a big summer movie to compete with Indiana yeah. Jones and Ghostbusters, which came Ooh, out yeah. the same weekend. They released, they pushed Damn. Gremlins to release the same weekend as Ghostbusters. God, that and, would be... And it, Ghostbusters beat it in the yeah. box office, but not by a huge amount. Yeah, yeah. Man. So much stuff, like, so much really good stuff released the summer of 1984. It was a good like, summer. You had... <laughs> Uh, Indiana Jones, Ghostbusters, Gremlins, me. <laughs> the best gift of all. Yeah, the gift of me. So uh, the, there shall become a tiny, weird, queer monster releasing <laughs> in the middle of summer. <laughs> Chris Statlock, now. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so uh, we jump into the movie uh, with Rand Peltzer, who's played by Hoyt Axton. Uh, who's narrating, explaining that he has a unique story to tell. The, the like, framing narration of Rand is so weird to me. Like, because it, he's like, I'm going to tell you this weird little story that happened to me. And then, like, so many people are hurt and die. And and he wasn't even there for most of the story. he wasn't even there for most of it, yeah. <laughs> and then at the end, he's just like, well, that was my wacky story. Uh, yep. yuck. And it's like, dude, people died. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um... He uh, he explains that he's visiting Chinatown, hitting up some shops and trying to pitch some inventions while also uh -huh. Christmas shopping for his son. So uh, Rand is an inventor. Like He's very much like a Pee Wee Herman style inventor where his inventions are kind of weird and like very impractical and overly intricate and don't work very well. <laughs> yep. Yeah, he's a, he's a failing inventor is what, what he... Or what the movie yeah. implies. I don't and, think it's ever sp specified. He's pretty ambitious. And he's pretty ambitious. Pretty optimistic, yeah. too. Yeah, and, like, I, I, one of the things I really like is how much his family, like, really supports his completely insane ventures. Like, they use his inventions. They're determined that, like... And they don't complain about him. And they don't really. complain about it when, like, the juicer explodes all over the kitchen and makes a huge-ass mess. And... I mean, he comments on it, but, yeah, they don't complain it. No. You see, you see his mom... Um, using the little remote to try to answer the phone. Right. It doesn't work, but, I mean, she tries. Yeah, yeah. 
Uh, so director Dante's first choice for the role of Rand was Hoyt Axton, uh, but they did audition a few others just to, you know, mm-hmm. to be completionists. Or, or for, for formality, I guess. But yeah. uh, And they one such audition was Pat Hinkle, uh, and evidently Pat read the lines too well. He oh. was too perfect for the role, and they went. They ended up not casting him because they were afraid he was going to overshadow the other characters. Oh, really? Yeah. Huh. That's kind of interesting. Yep. Like, there, one thing I was noticing is there's not a whole lot of, at the time, big-name people in here. Corey Feldman's in there. Right. He, he's in there. But he was still an upcoming yeah, child he was, star at the yeah, time. Yeah, yeah, he wasn't... Like, super huge at the time. Mm-hmm. And this is uh, Zach Galligan's first yeah. motion picture role, too. I mean, like, so. your, your biggest name in this movie is probably Frank Welker. Yeah, probably. But Or maybe well, Howie Mandel. Like, I don't even know how much he'd done before this. I didn't look into it, to be honest, but... Um, but, yeah, like, it, not a huge, huge number of, of big uh-huh. names. I mean, honestly, actually... Hoyt Axton and, uh, as we're going to find out, Key Luke was probably the two biggest yeah. ones. Yeah. Uh, but I, I imagine that was kind of on purpose. That way they could keep all of, like, the majority of the budget for the effects stuff. Right. And uh, so, yeah. Uh, so uh, Rand visits a Chinese antique shop and pitches his newest invention to the old shop owner named Mr. Wing, uh, mm-hmm. whose name never comes up in the movie itself, near as I could tell. But he is played by Key Luke. Uh, Luke was a prolific Chinese-American actor who appeared in dozens of films and was actually a founding member of the Screen Actors Guild. That's pretty rad. Yep. Uh, He also voiced Brack in the original 1966 animated Space Ghost series. Now, see, that I didn't know. That's pretty cool. Yep. I dug up. He's got some chops. He does. So, like I said, Key Luke is probably one of the more prolific actors at the time of this movie. He's probably one of the bigger names. But, um, so... Rand pitches this idea that the travel buddy, which is like the bathroom buddy. Excuse me, you're right. The bathroom buddy. Mm. Uh, Because it's all toiletry stuff. Yeah, he he pitches the bathroom buddy, uh, which is like, yeah, toiletry stuff. And and it malfunctions and it... it, Well, it's kind of like a Swiss army knife, kind of. It's a Swiss army knife of bathroom utensils. Yeah, (laughs) except it's also got the the toothpaste dispenser in it, which I I have to question because it's also got the toothbrush in it. So how is that going to function? (laughs) How do you get the toothpaste onto itself? Like, <laughs> <laughs> I imagine the nozzle was supposed to be pointed at where the brush would I be. Guess, but yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, it's again, it's one of those establishing Rand as kind right. of a, he's he's kind of a kooky inventor, but he's not really good at it. He's got no. some neat ideas, but they're a little bit they're like two steps not far enough. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, but uh, after his pitch, uh, he overhears some noises, which. Leads him to investigate a, cre- a, a cage that contains a strange creature that begins to sing. What is that? Mogwai. What's he doing? Singing. He does that sometimes. I gotta have him. He's in. I always found, like, the the Mogwai singing actually kind of irritating. Like, it's never been, like, uh, oh, isn't that a cute sound? It's like, oh, that's kind of... Oh, really? Yeah, I don't care for that. <laughs> it's right in the right frequency that it sets my brain off in a bad way. Sure, sure. <laughs> um, and apparently Mogwai in Cantonese means devil. <laughs> oh, okay. It's not a made-up word. It is a Cantonese oh, word good. meaning devil. 
Um, Rand immediately begins throwing money at the shop owner like he has it, but the owner has no interest, saying that the Mogwai is too much of a responsibility. This is, like, it's so weird because, like, one of the through lines to the movie is how th this family is barely getting by, and, like, they're, the rich old lady in the town is, like, going to foreclose shut, on yeah, everybody shut them down. and all this stuff. So they're, And they're, like, purported to be struggling. Billy's supposed to be the one who's bringing in the most money. They have a huge house... That's decorated really nice. The dad like just flops down two hundred dollars right in like like it's nothing. And that's nineteen eighty eight money. Yeah, I, that's or nineteen eighty four money. That's nineteen eighty four dollars. That's, that's not even like I wouldn't even spend two hundred dollars on a pet these days. <laughs> yeah, really. So it's just like that is so weird to me. I mean, I guess it's just like there's a difference between like being now struggling. And then struggling. And then struggling there's, as, like... There's also a difference between what Hollywood perceives as struggling. That very, yeah, very much so. Very so, much so. Because, like, I mean, you, you get that a lot where you see, yeah. like, we're, we're poor. And, and most Hollywood families live in houses that most people today can only dream of. Well, like, even when they're in supposed to... It's supposed to be, like, shitty rat hole apartments. And I'm like, damn, I wish I lived in that place. It's so nice. Uh -huh. It's so big. <laughs> there's so much space. So, um, Mr. Wing's grandson is played by John Louie, who ended his acting career shortly after this movie, mm -hmm. uh, and he ended up going to business school and is apparently now the CEO of Mattel Australia. That's wild. Yeah. <laughs> or, or maybe he became an MD. Uh, I found two different sources saying same, two different things, so... Maybe he's both. <laughs> he's Dr. Mattel. I, I believe the CEO part a little bit better, just because I found his picture and, okay. like, Wikipedia page and everything, whereas the MD thing was, like, uh... A quick trivia note, unsighted on IMDb. So um, I'm not entirely sure I trust that one. But I mean, they're both open source editing, so it could be... <laughs> That's true, too. Maybe they're both made up. <laughs> That's true. Um, but the uh, the kid ends up meeting Rand outside and makes a back alley deal with him on the sly, telling him the three rules of the Mogwai that everybody knows what, uh, very well at this point. Yep. We don't really need to cover them, I don't think. I, like, I, I always... It, I know it's supposed to be like fairy tale logic. Like, here's three things you can't do, and like getting him in bright light. Okay, yeah, I get that. That's that makes sense. Don't let get them wet, and like later they say, don't even give them water to drink. Uh huh. How do like they don't drink? They don't drink. They what do not they, hydrate. They, they drink alcohol. <laughs> well, okay, yeah, they don't drink water. <laughs> yeah, I guess pure. I don't well, know. Like, <laughs> how do, and don't feed them after midnight. When isn't midnight? Right. Or after midnight. Like, what? if it was don't feed them after sundown or something like that, I that would make sense. Uh-huh. When isn't after midnight. Yep. Yep. And uh, I know that we'll, we'll cover this in a, in a future Creature Crunch episode, but one of my favorite things about this series mm -hmm. is that Gremlins 2 pokes fun of. Oh and yeah, directly of all of these tropes. Like they're I, even talking I love about that. Gremlins too so much. But we'll we'll cover that in a yeah. later episode. That one is another one of my favorites. But but you're right. Like it, it, the rules are very kind of you know, whatever. They're, they're very it's, fairy tale. Like you're, yeah, very fairy tale. You're supposed to wave your hand and just be like. And I think they even like discussed that in the creation of the movie. But mm -hmm. they were the the makers, like the director and the writer, were both just like, who cares? The audiences just want to be entertained. I care. <laughs> <laughs> You care thirty some odd years later. Yeah, <laughs> thirty seven years later. But the um, the uh... ask me how I know. <laughs> I don't. I. Um... <laughs> but I guarantee, like when I first watched this movie, I guarantee I didn't care. I probably didn't when I was a kid either. So. But now it's just like, hey, hold on a sec. Uh huh. 
This is but, dumb. <laughs> um, interestingly enough, the reason, the whole reason the very first rule exists at all uh-huh. is because that they they would that way have an excuse to constantly film the gremlin puppets in the dark so that they could hide flaws. That makes sense. That's the only reason that, that rule sense. exists. Yeah. Uh, I noted later that during the uh, the kitchen attack scene, mm-hmm. which is kind of more well lit than a lot of the other gremlin scenes, you can very much see the the supports like yeah, holding the, the, the gremlins and stuff. Right. Yeah. Um, but we end up cutting to Christmas time in Kingston Falls, um, and firmly establishing, yes, this is a Christmas movie. It's playing yeah. Christmas music and everything. Hey, listen, thanks, and have a Merry Christmas. Hey, gang, you're rolling with rockin' Ricky Rialto, the voice of Kingston Falls, USA. Yeah, yeah. Um, a fictional small town in upstate New York uh, where we are introduced to our protagonist, uh, Billy Peltzer, played by Zach Galligan, who, as I mentioned, this is his first mm-hmm. film role. Um, and he would end up reprising his role all the way till until 2021. That, yeah, because he, I saw that commercial. That was wild. <laughs> yeah, he was he was featured in a Mountain Dew commercial alongside Gizmo. Yeah, having that, Gizmo drink Mountain Dew. And, he, that was weird. <laughs> and I would say taking some wild risks, but <laughs> yeah, really. Um, I know that they've been kicking around an idea for a Gremlins three, like literally from the time the second one came out. Uh huh. And it's never really gotten off the ground. There's been a number of complications, rights issues, director issues, stuff like that. Uh, there was a time when there was going to be an animated Gremlin series that I think got all the way to production. And I'm not sure if it's been, like, shelved or what because COVID fucked everything up. Yeah. Um, but... I, I would still love to see more Gremlin stuff. <laughs> right. Well, absolutely. And, I mean, there is a... Um, the internet seems to be pretty convinced that Gremlins 3 is in active development but and has been for the past three years. I haven't heard but anything on that. Like, the know. last I heard was the animated series that was going to be on HBO Max. I, it wouldn't surprise me, especially with Hollywood's, you know, nostalgia trip that they've yeah. been going through. And also, I mean, just the fact that he reprises his role in that commercial, like, that seems to come out of nowhere. Like, that uh-huh. almost has to be... Like, maybe they're testing the waters to see what kind of interest is still in this also, movie. Also, the commercial kind but... of implies that Mogwai don't age, I guess. I, yeah. Because, <laughs> I mean, Gizmo. Billy's aged. Yeah. He's still in that attic, but he... <laughs> Yeah. Um, interesting also as well, um, that kind of explains a lot of the, some of the more under the rug things in this, mm-hmm. uh, Billy was originally written to be a lot younger in the movie and he oh, was really? aged up late in production. Okay. That makes a lot of sense. Makes sense why he's hanging out with like an eight year old. Yeah. And... and why he's such a complete dumbass. Yep. Yep. Such a dumbass. <laughs> <laughs> um, also interestingly enough, uh, Kingston Falls is the same set as Hill Valley from Back to the Future. Now that I did know. That's, I, I love that fact. Yep. There's a lot of links to the Back to the Future in this oh, movie, Oh, yeah. Actually. Well, I mean, Spielberg was there. Like, yep. And that was hot off the heels of, of Back to the Future. Like, No, this is before Back to the was Future. Was it? This predates Back to the Future. Oh, geez. Mm-hmm. I had my timeline all wrong. Yep. Uh, not by a huge amount, but it yeah. does. Billy's having a rough time. Uh, he's having trouble keeping his dog, Barney, who's being threatened. And uh, so is Violently his, threatened. <laughs> violently threatened. And so is his job by Mrs. Deagle, uh-huh. played by Polly Holiday. One of the um, most vile characters in any movie ever. Because, <laughs> like, yeah. it's it stated that her and her husband made all their money through stock market swindling. 
and he was convicted of it. <laughs> and everybody knows this, but she's still like the richest, most like most powerful woman in, in town. In town, and everyone hates her. But they they gotta kind of yeah. It doesn't come across in the movie much, but she's also apparently in charge of the bank. Like she actually yeah. owns the bank. And uh, there were a lot of pl- like cut subplots of her actively like evicting everybody in the town oh, and you, you trying to. Uh, trying to build like some sort of like I, I forget what it is like a shopping mall or something or, right or a treatment plant or something. And you get that one scene when she's going into the bank and she's like threatening that woman and her very sick, hungry children. Uh huh. <laughs> like she could, if they wanted to do it, like she could very easily be the overall villain of this movie. Like even yeah. without the gremlins being in there, she's their Scrooge. Yeah, she she was kind of written as the sub villain. Yeah, but um. But I do she, like how she names all of her cats after different types of currency. Though. That's hilarious. That's funny. I didn't even notice that until this watch through. Yeah, I didn't catch it until I saw your notes. Like, that was super funny. Kopech! Kopech, you stop that, you bad kitty. Kopech's a bad kitty. Oh, good kitty. She's a good kitty. Oh, please me also uh barney the dog um is played by a dog named mushroom who uh later appeared in Pumpkinhead. as oh really yep as uh and we're i'm i'm finding a link in a, a continuous link in creature crunch uh he played pump uh lance hendrickson's dog in pumpkinhead <laughs> we have two through lines in in our movies matt lance hendrickson and frank welker <laughs> and and three fire on fire creatures and on fire creatures yeah but but yeah um so Lance Hendrickson is go- and frank welker are both going to haunt us yeah and so but uh and here he is he's he's tangentially related to this movie yeah my um God. that night uh billy's dad returns home and gives him his mogwai gift whom yeah. billy names gizmo which i mean i'm it's a fitting name my cat's name is gizmo named after this little dude uh-huh. like because no. when we found him he looked like a horrible little gremlin although hilariously enough um last night while i was rewatching this my, uh-huh. my daughter sonia you know she's five years old now she loves this movie too yeah. she's watched it a number of times but she's at the age now where she's starting to start grasping concepts really? and grokking yeah. things yeah and she she was watching it with me and she looked at me and she goes dada what's mogwai's name and i'm like wow you can remember mogwai but you can't remember gizmo like <laughs> wow <laughs> i figured she would remember gizmo for just from my cat yep but nope <laughs> and then uh, of course gizmo is voiced by howie mandel yep now, uh, the cool thing is here is the script didn't have any dialogue for Giz or any of the gremlins, uh-huh. really. And Howie and the other va- voice actors improvised their lines based off of what the puppets were doing and other audio cues. Right, uh, right. Oftentimes just repeating the last line that was said. Um, these voices were recorded after the filming. Um, Which is why the, the human characters are never really reacting to what the puppets are saying. Right. That makes sense. Yep. And uh, Mandel also provided the voices for Gizmo in the international releases by phonetically repeating the dubbed lines. That's funny. Which is one of the reasons this movie had, or at least they, it's attributed to one of the reasons why this movie actually had some pretty good um, international success. Yeah, I can see that. That's really... It, I mean, I, I imagine that they would have done that, but I figured they would have got a local VA or somebody to do that. So having, nope. 
Howie Mandel do that is pretty cool. Yeah, it's awesome. Um, and then he's uh, an odd duck, but he doesn't seem like a terrible guy. No, as far as I can tell, I don't know. I I didn't. Did, did we need to Google Howie Mandel? I, I googled quick? all of the main cast of this movie. <laughs> I didn't do Howie Mandel for reasons I don't. You know, I, I just Hold forgot. On. But okay, Damn for a second. Yep. Like the first thing that came up was Howie Mandel consensual, so I'm very concerned now. <laughs> No, that's not nice. Like, the, then after I Googled controversy, the first thing that came up is, what is wrong with Howie Mandel and is talking about his OCD? That's not nice, Google. That's me. All right. Well, if that's the first result, that's a pretty good sign, though. Yeah. Yeah. So. I guess he's been scolded on America's Got Talent for making rude comments every once in a while, but. Nothing, yeah. nothing no, outright sleazy. No sex pest stuff, so. Good. That's good. That I can tell. All right. So. Or um, Or racist <laughs> things. Or, yeah. Okay, cool. No more um, so than any other white person. Anyway. <laughs> um, the other gremlins are all voiced by uh, like actually a quite a variety of right. voice actors, and one of them being uh, Michael Winslow of Police Academy. Oh, fame. really? I didn't mm-hmm. know that. Mm-hmm. That's cool. I love that guy. Um, the following day, I guess, I think, I'm not really 100% sure, to be honest, uh, but Pete Fontaine... The, uh, the timeline is kind of squishy in this movie. Yeah. Uh, the following day, Pete Fontaine, played by Corey Feldman, Corey Feldman. Uh, drops a Christmas tree off at, and visits Billy's attic bedroom, where Billy introduces him to Gizmo. Uh, and Pete accidentally knocks a glass of water on Giz, who reacts violently, popping off five more mogwai from his back that immediately and, grow yeah. to full size. He acts like he is in agony from this, too. Like mm-hmm. It doesn't... It, I mean, I... I always pictured, like, I always uh, kind of perceived Gizmo and and uh, translated these types of scenes and the way he reacts both in this movie and in Gremlins 2 to the fact that he knows what's going to happen. <laughs> it's happened before. Yeah, he's, he's it's, it's at the very least happened before. If if nothing else, he's very aware of his own biology. I mean... And so could... I don't think it's necessarily complete just painful agony. Yeah. It's more of just... Oh no, oh no, oh no, oh no, oh no. Yeah, because when they uh, drop the water on that other mogwai in the the science lab, that mogwai's into it. Yeah. Yeah, no, Gizmo knows. Yeah. He knows. And if we go off of the the theory that mogwai are immortal and don't age, I mean... Yeah. It's entirely likely that this has happened to him before. Oh, absolutely. Oh, I mean, it's kind of implied that. Mr. Wing knows about them. I mean, it has to have happened before. No, Gizmo knows what's going on, and yeah, like there's a scene later on when after the gremlins are fed, and you can tell something is going on. It shows Billy asleep in the, in his bed, and Gizmo's sitting there watching um, Invasion of the Body Snatchers, I believe. Yeah, yeah, and he's like shivering and terrified. And I'm not 100% sure if it's intended to be that he's afraid of the movie, but I always communicated that it was afraid. He was afraid because he knew it was going to happen. Yeah, but. Um, yeah, Gizmo likes watching movies. Like yeah. he, he watches Body Snatchers, um, races. That race. race I don't know what movie that is. Like I have no it's idea. some sort of, of race movie, and then some other movie. It comes back in the second one too. Yeah. So. Yeah. And of course, Mr. Wang scolds them for letting him watch, <laughs> teaching him how to watch TV at the end of the movie. Yeah, because he's hilarious. watching the news. Like, ah, look what we did. Oh man, uh, <laughs> what a rollicking adventure! So many people died. <laughs> Um, one of these Mogwai has a little white mohawk stripe on his head, so uh-huh. they name him Stripe, and Stripe is voiced by Frank Welker. Yes, he yes, is. that Frank Welker. Yep. Of uh, Scooby-Doo and Anaconda fame. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, a million other things, because he is the most credited actor ever. Mm-hmm. Uh, the next day, Billy takes one of the Mogwai to Roy Hansen, played by Glenn Turman, who is a local middle school biology teacher, and demonstrates this phenomenon by dropping a uh, dripping a drop of water mm-hmm. onto the spawn uh, to create a sixth one. 
Um, he leaves this sixth one with Mr. Hansen, who stays late that night performing blood tests on it, uh, and ends up leaving a half-eaten sandwich near enough to the Mogwai for it to reach out and grab it and eat it after yep. midnight, because, yeah. Yep. Billy did not communicate to Mr. Hansen, either did not communicate to Mr. Hansen the rules, or Mr. Hansen just kind of glazed over them. Well, it, it's like, he's had a Mogwai for, as far as we know, like a day and a half. Yeah. And he's already broken all three rules, like, immediately. It's yeah. like, you are not a responsible pet owner, my man. <laughs> Again, he was supposed to be, like, eight. Yeah, um, <laughs> that makes so much more sense. Like, as an irresponsible eight-year-old, like, I can uh-huh. see him doing this this dumb stuff. But as... Like a teenager. As a teenager, like, teen. a- 18, 19-year-old, it's like, no, man. <laughs> you know better, dude. Um, that night, Billy meets up with his co-worker, Kate Berenger, uh, played by Phoebe Cates, who mm-hmm. is helping a drunk Murray Futterman, played by Dick Miller, home, uh, who is drunkenly telling them all about gremlins. Yeah, in, about gremlins and... In being, a vaguely racist Yeah, <laughs> being kind of racist against foreign vehicles. <laughs> mm-hmm. Gremlins. You gotta you got watch out for the foreigners, because they plant gremlins in their machinery. That's the same gremlins brought down our planes in the big one. That's right. World War II. Good old WWII. You know, they're still shipping them over here. They put them in the cars, they put them in the TV, they put them in the stereos and the radios. You stick in your ears, they put them in your watches. They got little teeny gremlins for our watches. I don't think it's such a good idea that you drive. Why don't you walk home? When Billy returns home, the Mogwai are demanding food, mm-hmm. and Billy checks to make sure that it's not past midnight, because he's got a little bit of responsibility, I guess. It's still 20 to midnight. Yeah, like, like, I wouldn't have given him a whole plate of chicken. They're, they're <laughs> gonna fucking squirrel that chicken away, and then eat it after midnight, you dumb bastard. Yeah, he, he offers some chicken to Gizmo as well, who politely refuses, and uh, oh boy, it's a damn good thing that happened. Yeah. As, as I think Gizmo was duped as well. But yeah. But it, for one thing, it's like, you just gave them a plate of cold fried chicken out of the refrigerator. They're, they're like animals. They're pets. They're not college students, my man. <laughs> and they, they eat it, and it's gross. It's real nasty. <laughs> it's so gross watching them eat it. Um, I guess the original script uh, had Gizmo actually becoming Stripe. Oh, Stripe really? and Gizmo were supposed to be the same character. Oh, I'm glad they went away with yeah, that. Yeah, and I think it was Spielberg who was just like, no, 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 Gizmo's way too cute. We gotta keep yeah, him in. Yeah, he's way too cute and marketable. Like, <laughs> yeah. I mean, Furbies were designed after Gizmo. Yeah, well, straight I up. just, like, there's the scene where he's driving, like, the Barbie car at the uh-huh. end. I remember that being everywhere in the 80s. Like, even long after the fact. Yeah. Like, that, that was showing up in Sears commercials and Toys R Us commercials. You could buy stickers and buttons with Gizmo driving the car on it. Mm-hmm. And this was after the second one came out, even. Yeah. And it, that was huge. So, yeah, the, he was a marketing, like, juggernaut. Yeah. Um, and apparently Spielberg had a lot to do with his design, too. That makes sense. Like, he, I mean, like his, his coloration team. is based off of one of Spielberg's dogs. <laughs> that's That's kind of funny. Um, the next morning, Billy awakens to find that the Fog Mogwai have encased themselves in gross cocoons. They're kind of nasty. His mom, Lynn Peltzer, played by Frances Lee McCain, who also played Lorraine's mother, Stella, in Back to the Future. There's our second link. Um, and she asks if they were fed after midnight, and Billy at this point discovers that they apparently chewed through his alarm clock cord to, Mm -hmm. you know, stop it at 1140. So... 
Um, we then get a random scene where Rand is at an adventures convention where a host of cameos there's walk by. There's some fun stuff in, with in this With really one. impressive inventions. Um, yeah, there's a lot of there's a lot crammed in this scene. Yeah. Uh, these cameos include Steven Spielberg himself, mm-hmm. uh, com- the composer of the movie Jerry Goldsmith, mm-hmm. Zach Gillian's stand-in, Robbie the Robot from Forbidden Planet. <laughs> That's always the one that I pick up on right away just because Forbidden Planet's really good. <laughs> and The Time Machine from George uh-huh. Powell's H.G. Wells adaptation, which uh-huh. you can see clearly in the background. Those are the two that I always picked up on. Yeah, but, yeah. Uh, so there's a lot going on there. It's the only reason I included that as a note. Like, yeah, it's, the, it's a wild scene. Because, like, nothing really comes of this inventor's convention other than it just gets the father out of the picture for a while. And it, and it also kind of firmly further establishes that he's not as good of an inventor as as he wants to believe he is. Like, he's even sitting there kind of humbled, like... Right. He's like, uh, competition's a little stiffer than I expected as full robots are walking by. And, his, <laughs> and meanwhile, his wife yeah. is at home trying to answer the phone with his remote and it's not working. I, I do think the second scene at the convention where Robbie is talking on the phone to like his wife or his manager or something is hilarious. Yeah. No, <laughs> He's <that's>... wearing a hat. <laughs> <laughs> like it, it's just a little background thing, but it is super funny. The, um, the cocoons hatch while Billy is away at work. And, and they're gross. Yeah. It's, it's a gross scene. And one of the more memorable ones. Right. With the music and the score. Like I love the score. Oh, the movie. music is phenomenal. Oh. It's unimpeachable. Mm hmm. Um, and then also, of course, the the cocoon in Mr. Hansen's classroom also hatches right at the end of the class. Yeah, yeah. Uh, he, Mr. Hansen immediately calls Billy to let him know, and then he heads back in to try to find this creature. Uh, you, you don't get to see it. It runs around under a uh-huh. desk, and he tries to coax the, it out with a candy bar. The most you see is, like, its little claws. Yeah. Um, and he, he's trying to coax it out and foolishly reminding it that he drew its blood that previous yeah. night. Like, by the way, I hurt you. You're not mad, right? And then, holds a grudge. Where are you? I know you're in there. I know you're under there. Come on now. Hey, you're not still angry about that little blood test, are you? Come on out. Take a bite. Let me see you. Hmm? <laughs> yeah, um, it, it grabs him and kills him and eats the candy. Mm-hmm. Uh, Billy arrives too late and finds Mr. Hansen's uh, body a half under the desk with a syringe stuck in his butt. Yep. Uh, Billy reaches to call for help, but the gremlin scratches his hand, takes a bite of an apple, which it apparently doesn't like, Mm-mm. and runs off through the vents. And then, well, it, not, not only does it take a bite of the apple, it takes a bite of the uh, test tubes as well. That's right. He grabs does, a couple yeah. of those test tubes and goes, ah, no, no. Yeah, you can hear it. It's, it's exploring its environment. And I, I, I think it likes the test tubes more than it likes the apple. Yeah. So. Um, it, it then briefly attacks Billy in the nurse's office and then mm-hmm. flees. And that's the first time you could actually see the gremlin. Yeah. Yeah. It's a good money and shot. They look good. Yeah. They look really, really good. Um, we then cut to a scene where we see the gremlins torturing Gizmo by strapping him to a dartboard and throwing darts at uh-huh. him and then knocking him into a, you know, a, a laundry vent, laundry chute. <laughs> Just beating um, the snot out of him. Evidently, the Mogwai puppets and the props were so small that they broke frequently and special effects artist Chris Wallace wanted to make them bigger. Yeah. But Dante refused. He wanted them small and cute. Like, I, I can see that because if they would have made them like the same size as the gremlins or whatever, like if they were, you know... Two feet taller or whatever. They wouldn't have been as cute. It wouldn't have been as cute and honestly would have been kind of worrying at that yeah. point. Like, you just brought a bear in your house, man. Right. Um, and, and it's sort of a twisted compensation to the uh, the VFX team. Um, this, the, this scene was specifically included to kind of let them vent their frustra- frustrations out. Mm-hmm. And they had apparently called, created a list called Horrible Things to Do to Gizmo. <laughs> and this was one of, the, uh, one of the items on their list, so... 
Um, Billy calls his mother and, you know, obviously worried. And uh, she now, she discovers the now hatched eggs. Mm -hmm. Uh, But the gremlins cut the phone lines in an E.T. reference. Get out of the house. Mom? And put on some Christmas music. Yeah. In a very chilling scene, to be completely honest. It, like, when I was super little, like, hearing this song would always kind of spook me. <laughs> like, the Do You See What I See? Uh-huh. Just because it it's a, kind of a melancholy song, even though it's, like, very joyful. It's kind of, it's done in a lower key, so mm-hmm. it's it's more melancholy. Billy, we're... Do The night wind to the little lamb. Do you see what I see? In this context, and then especially like coming from this context, which I don't think was the first time I heard it because I know we had to sing it in like choir right before that in in uh, elementary school. So it wasn't the first time I heard the song, but you watch the movie and it's like, oh man, this is very creepy. Mm-hmm. First you know, an eight year old or whatever. Right. And, uh, she, she kind of stalks through the, uh, the, the house. And again, it's a, it's a really, really good scene. Yeah. Building up what's, what's about. It's like, like something out of Halloween or something. <laughs> and then we have an amazing and entertaining oh, like, scenes where she basically like the gremlins begin harassing her and she offs them one by one. Billy's mom is a stone cold killer. Yeah. She's a bad ass. She... Like blending that gremlin. <laughs> <laughs> Shoving the one in the microwave. Yeah. Straight up stabbing Just one. like going ham on that one with the knife mm-hmm. and... Like, I feel her though. Like, this, these things are trashing her kitchen and eating the cookies she was ju- <laughs> literally in the middle of, of prepping. It's like... So they must oh, die. F- oh, fuckers, man. <laughs> um, but eventually only only one other and Stripe are uh-huh. left. Um, the fourth gremlin is hiding in the Christmas tree and it attacks her. Uh, Billy arrives nick of time and is able to knock it into the fire, but... Uh, Cuts it in half with a sword that's on the wall. Yeah, and then... They have fucking swords on the wall. <laughs> like, they cannot be in that dire of financial straits. <laughs> um, but, uh, yeah, he, he cuts it open and tosses it half into the fire. Right. And, but Stripe does escape. Mm-hmm. Um, apparently, one of the earliest drafts of the script was much darker. Really? Way darker. The, the gremlins were originally going to kill Barney. Oh, no. And there was a scene where they had cut off Miss Peltzer's head and had it roll down the stairs as Billy oh, came into geez. the door. Oh, jeez. Like, was... I'm glad they stepped away from that. Yeah. Like, I'm usually all for that. Like, no, that would not have been the that right wouldn't spirit have been... of, this, of the gremlins. No. Um, there was also a scene where the gremlins apparently attack a McDonald's and are shown eating customers instead of burgers. <laughs> okay. Well. <laughs> <laughs> but, I mean, it, it, this movie that was would've... almost... Very dark. Yeah, that would have been a lot different. Just like, mm-hmm. I mean, right now it's like they they kill the science teacher and that sucks. But you know, he did poke one with the like he did hurt one. Yeah, and then they they kill Mrs. Mrs. Deagle. Mrs. Deagle, and that's okay because she sucks. Yeah, she's a mean. But 
And then, like, it's it can very much be implied that other people died because, like, there's explosions and there's, car crashes. And... There's a confirmed body count of four people in this movie. Okay, yeah. So, so yeah, people people definitely died in this. But at the same time, the gremlins are funny. Like, yeah, they're the, very funny. It's cartoon violence. Right, other than Almost. those four people who died. Almost. <laughs> you know, Ms. Deagle's a very cartoon dad. It's very true. She gets launched out of a window. <laughs> but but the rest of... And, and it, even, like, the cops are right. somewhat of a cartoon Well, dad. that and, and, once right. again, they're assholes. Well, like, yeah. They're yeah. even more so than most cops are. Yeah, right. They're, no, they're completely useless assholes. Um, and I repeat myself. Right, right. <laughs> but um, Billy ends up tracking the uh, Stripe to the YMCA where Stripe decides to go for a quick dip. Yeah. I'll, like, I don't understand why the snow he had to track through didn't do it. I have notes on that later as okay, well. Okay, cool, but, cool. Yeah, no, I, that always bugged me too. Like, like, you see the gremlins in the snow and it's just like... But snow is just frozen water, and like body yeah. heat alone will make it melt into water. If it's I a, I had I a false memory in my brain that I was one hundred percent I was certain of for the longest time, where Stripe jumped out of a second story window from the house during an escape, landed in the snow, and then you saw the snow melt on top of him, and then that's what caused his spawning. <laughs> I was so convinced wow. of this, like even going up to this, I and I, I've seen it since I was a kid, of sure. course. I was still like, okay, this is when he's going to jump out of the window and fall in the snow drift, and there's going to be a bunch of grim. Oh, wait, no, that didn't happen yeah, because my brain's a mess. <laughs> well, memories themselves are just yeah. messes. So. My brain is a rotted pumpkin, man. But, uh, yeah, it's it's another one of those. You're just going to kind of have to wave it away and just pretend yeah. it doesn't exist. Um, but Billy does go to the police, as you as you mentioned, they to tell them what happened, and they were they they don't believe him, and no. they're pretty big assholes about it. Even after he shows them Gizmo, Gizmo. and it's like, this is the thing, like, yeah, look at, I yeah. have a thing. They're treating it like he put a Furby on the town on or the like counter. A, it's and, an actually a dog or something. It's yeah, like, that's a weird looking dog. <laughs> yeah, and they're they're assholes to him. Yeah. Um, the gremlins begin rampaging throughout the town, spreading chaos yeah. and mischief. They end up driving a snowplow through Mr. Futterman's front room in my favorite scene in the movie, thanks to the music. Like, this, mu- oh. this music is like the, the Gremlins. The theme. Gremlins ragtime theme is, is yeah, yeah. amazing. A- after uh, I watched this, I loaded up Spotify and I was adding uh-huh. songs from the soundtrack to there because, like, I found the song that they do in the bar, the uh, the madness song. <laughs> yeah. The Gremlins ragtime theme, man. Yeah, no, and, and like... So it's, fucking good. <laughs> those freaking... The, the headlights hit on it, and then... Uh, oh, gives me chills. I uh-huh. love it. And, and the, the, the Carol Gremlins sing their own theme. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I have. Oh, it makes me happy. <laughs> I warned you, This movie just makes me happy. <laughs> yeah, they, they get into mailboxes, they mess with traffic lights, they go caroling, uh-huh. uh, they hotwire Miss Deagle's elevator chairlift, which throws her out a window, they're attacking a Santa. They're... Yeah. Th- those, like, elevator chairs, I always thought were more common than they actually are, because they were used in several, like, cartoons and movies They were and stuff everywhere like in, in it, media. Like, it's so weird. There's... A cor- there's some sort of correlation between those elevator chairs that go up the stairs and quicksand, and that <laughs> we were led to believe they were going to be much more common than they actually were in our day to day life. Yeah. <laughs> yep. Um, and they they also the gremlins also cut the brake lines of the cops' car. Uh huh. Um, and that's the last we see the cops. Yeah. They flip and are. They're gone. They're gone. Um, they also infiltrate the bar where Kate works oh, and God. trashes the place. Yeah. 
uh, say the least. Yeah. For some reason, Kate continues trying to work. <laughs> She's just rolling with it. Yeah. Like she doesn't like it. She's no, clearly but distressed. But they're she's probably there. not the worst bar patron she's had. Probably not even that night. <laughs> That's a good point. Um, <laughs> like they're they're drunk and they're singing. Um, but there's the the flasher gremlin. There's the noir gangster gremlin. <laughs> uh, Stripe has a mall gremlin. Yeah. They're playing the original Star Wars arcade game with, with the vector graphics. Like, it's so cool. Like, uh-huh. there's so much little stuff in this. I, there's a lot of fun things packed so in this There's so scene. much going on. It's just a masterwork of puppetry. But yeah, I, I think that it's it's supposed to be that Kate is, like, being forced to continue working. Like, she can't actually escape. Uh, yeah, because they'll hurt her or do whatever. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, it's just like... It, it, it's just such a funny scene. Yeah, like, yeah. and it, it, we get a lot of that cartoon humor and shades of what Gremlins 2 would be like. Uh-huh. Uh, oh, gosh, yeah. Gremlins 2 just ramps all of that up to 11. Yep. Which is why I love it. Mm-hmm. Uh, one Gremlin is trying to th- smoke three cigarettes, and uh-huh. Kate moves to light them for him because she's a good person. And uh, But he recoils from the light, and she finally figures out that they hate light. So mm-hmm. she grabs a Polaroid camera and begins to flash them while they trying to make her escape. But... She's nearly shot by Stripe. <laughs> Stripe and his gun that um, he has. <laughs> and uh, Billy arrives to rescue her, and the two end up escaping into their bank that mm-hmm. they work at. And together. this is where we get the Santa in the chimney story. We have the infamous Christmas is... <laughs> urban legend story scene where Kate tells the tragic tale of why she hates Christmas. Like, it, Yeah, it's kind of... I mean, it's not completely out of the blue because it's hinted at before that she doesn't like Christmas at all. Well, she she straight up says yeah. it and she gets really defensive about it. Like, you know, oh, people, you know, you tell them you hate Thanksgiving or Halloween and nobody's bats an eye, but you tell them you hate Christmas and everybody's up your ass. Yeah, yeah. So, but at the same time, it is definitely a shade of what the darker gremlins could have been right. like. And uh, the this scene was actually originally pinned to be cut. They thought yeah, it was too I can, dark. I can see that. But Dante fought to keep it in because he kind of considered it to be the representation of the movie as a whole, where it's... Because yeah. it's it, this scene, it's like, she tells this story and it's really dark and tragic, but it's almost like it's almost comical in that it's it's taking that urban legend and, like, making it... So it, it's supposed to be like, is this supposed to be funny? Am I supposed to be I disturb like, like what's the is, tone here? It's not a funny story, but at the same time, it really is. It's a dead Santa story. It's yeah. like Yeah. It, it's and it, and it is such a tonal shift from the rest of the movie that it is it's it's one of those it's like, yeah, you're you're sitting there watching, like, am I supposed to be laughing? Yeah, is this am fu- I like the, what what are they doing here? Yeah, the, and that's why he wanted mom, to keep it. Her dad is dead. Like what <laughs> why is she telling me this? I'm really uncomfortable right yeah. now. <laughs> Um, Kate, Billy, and Gizmo um, head out to find that the Kremlins have all vacated the streets and mm-hmm. crammed themselves into the movie theater to watch Snow White. I, I have to wonder how much they had to pay Disney to get Snow White right, here. Because right, Because this is, is a Warner Brothers movie. It's a Warner Brothers movie, and they it's, just straight up show Snow White in it. Yeah, it's wild. It's, they're not, it's not a thing that they can cut around, because like... Billy straight up says, they're all watching Snow White. There's big posters for Snow White everywhere. It says it on the mm-hmm. marquee. And see, when you're when you're talking about like the gremlins eating after midnight or you know drinking water, the yeah. snow and stuff, this is the one that bothered me as a kid. It's yeah. like they hate bright light, so they're gonna watch a big a bright screen. Yeah, <laughs> that's yeah. But uh, and they're into it. They yep. are into. Oh it. yeah, they're singing hi ho and having all kinds yeah. of fun. And that, that one, uh, that one gremlin just looks right at Stripe and goes. <laughs> 
just, I don't know why it's so funny, but anytime the gremlins have a lines, line. it's really funny. <laughs> In other milk duds. Which my which the Amazon subtitles translated as get love. All right. Um, The trio turn on the gas valves behind the screen, Mm -hmm. and then they set the place to explode, leaving Stripe the only survivor again. Because he went out for a candy run. Yep. Otherwise, it was this would have been over. (laughs) Uh, They chase Stripe into the department store nearby, and Mm -hmm. inside, Billy plays cat and mouse with Stripe for a little while. With Stripe even like coming at him with a crossbow and chainsaw, chainsaw at one point, and a chainsaw that visibly does not have the chain on it. Right, but, but at the same time, is strong enough to just whip Stripe t- across the floor. Yeah, <laughs> and tear through the uh, the baseball bat. Yeah, yeah. Um, this eventually takes them into the garden department, um, and you know, Kate's trying Kate's... to turn on the lights, and she ends up activating the fountain. I don't understand why that fountain was activated from there. Like it, why would it be a switch that you turn in the main it control just, office? Just turns on the power i, I, I imagine but it's just i don't know uh, whatever yeah um but it, it does start the fountain and stripe you know ends up climbing up onto the fountain and, and soaking himself in the water yeah um and uh gizmo comes to the rescue in his little car ramps hits the wall runs over and pulls open the blinds on the windows to mm-hmm. let in the morning light and thusly killing Stripe in a very gooey death. This scared the shit out of me when I was a kid. Like, the scene of Stripe melting it's while his back is, like, bubbling and preparing to spawn again. It's gross, it's scary, and then you get that jump scare where his skeleton launches itself out of the, the fountain uh-huh. and, like, crawls a couple feet. And it's like, oh my god. It's, yeah, no, it's a visceral scene. And uh, I guess that, again, the original cut of this movie uh-huh. had Billy opening up a second blind. Uh-huh. But they specifically cut that because they wanted Gizmo to be the hero. Okay. And it's funny because um, uh, Zach Galligan okay. apparently jokingly and uh, mockingly resents Gizmo for it. That's really funny. <laughs> it's like that little furball stole the limelight. <laughs> but... he, he seems like he's really good-natured about this movie, considering mm-hmm. he's willing to come back like... 27 years later and right. do or 37 years later excuse me yeah you knew you knew. told me <laughs> i'm trying to make myself seem young and hot um you, chris you'll always be hot it's true <laughs> i'm adorable um <laughs> but yeah uh the fact that he's willing to come back 37 years later and do another commercial with with gizmo is like proof that he does have affinity for this franchise right or, or at, at least they paid him a lot of Yeah, money. I was going to say, he likes the paycheck, too. Um, I mean, that probably doesn't hurt. <laughs> I wouldn't say no. But he, he seems like a pretty good guy about yeah. this. So. Um, but yeah, they, we cut to some time later. Not sure exactly how mm-hmm. far, but uh, they're watching the news, and the event is being called the Christmas Eve Riots. Yeah. And the events are being blamed on mass hysteria, which is why this isn't more it's, widespread, I guess. I guess, yeah. It's um, kind of a cop-out. I mean, I guess you don't have too much evidence of them other than the, the puddle. I don't know, but well, um, I, it figures like there would be like a puddle, a giant puddle of goo in the theater. Yeah, where these things blew up. Assuming that they, when they die, they melt like yeah. like Stripe did. If they don't, if they're just incinerated or something, yeah, there's just corpses of, of oh, gremlins yeah. in the theater and in Billy's house and like yeah, because like there's half a gremlin sticking <laughs> out of their blender, man. <laughs> 
They could just take that and say, look, like, half a gremlin. Um, Mr. Wing suddenly shows up at their house to take Gizmo back. Uh, he chastises Rand for the chaos that he brought and mm-hmm. reveals that he can understand Gizmo when the Mogwai asks to say goodbye. And then Billy suddenly understands Gizmo as well as Gizmo mm-hmm. says, bye, Billy. And then he says farewell to the dog as well. He says bye to Barney, I think. Um, and then we end up finishing the movie with Rand uh, kind of finishing off his narration that he started at the beginning and not touching up on in the, in the entire interim of the movie, uh, cautioning yeah. the viewer that malfunctioning electronics in your home might be gremlins. Mm-hmm. Which, like, I, obviously that's the idea behind gremlins. That's the yeah, whole yeah. concept. They don't do a whole lot of that in the movie like other the, than, like, during the rampage when they're messing with traffic lights and like stuff. Well, there's the, the scene where they chew through Billy's alarm clock. They cut the phone lines. Mm-hmm. They string up Barney the dog at one point. Yeah, they string him up in the, fr- and, in the Christmas uh, lights. They start using the uh, the antenna as a jungle gym. Right. And but, I mean, it. other than that, it's just more general mischief. Yeah. And I always thought it was kind of weird because it almost felt like they were trying to shoehorn the idea that the reason Rand's inventions failed was because of gremlins. Well, that and, like, the, um, Billy's car, the Volkswagen Beetle. The Volkswagen, yeah, it doesn't, doesn't work. Start. Does no. not work until the gremlins start running amok. Uh-huh. So, like, my theory is kind of they were trying to fuck with this car and fixed it <laughs> just long enough for for billy to drive off <laughs> that that's a good head cannon yeah appreciate yeah that, so. i mean that's the only thing i can figure as to why it suddenly started working because <laughs> that car is pretty well dead at the start of the movie yeah yeah he had to, he has to walk to work so uh so yeah that was gremlins uh my all-time favorite christmas movie one uh-huh. of my all-time favorite movies in general I, I, as you could probably tell by like how much we've talked about this movie, we fucking love this movie. It's great. It's one of the best creature movies of all time, uh-huh. as far as I'm concerned. And uh, and like I said, there's and there's a lot there, and I'm sure. And it spawn like you know how the gremlins when they or the Mogwai and gremlins when they get wet they spawn. This movie got wet at some point because there are so many knockoffs. You've got you know there's gremlins and then there's ghoulies, there's creepers, there's uh, critters, there's spookies, there's. I don't even know. Mm-hmm. There are so many knockoffs of this movie. Like Critters is probably it's a little closer to the or a little further away. I'd say, yeah. but still. But at the same time, it's you know there's a bunch of weirdo little monsters, and yep. they're all fuzzies, and yep. like so it's like this movie's direct descendant. Mm-hmm. I, the others like, especially like with Ghoulies and stuff like that, more use it for marketing purposes and stuff like that. Where there's weirdo creatures oh but they're funny like the gremlins and just weird little monsters right (laughs) and i i also find it interesting that it did actually have box office success yeah a lot of the horror movies and especially the ones that we consider cult classics these days don't did not yeah i mean john carpenter's the thing for example any john carpenter movie basically that's fair that man has the roughest luck when it comes to box offices so i I find this one very interesting and anomalous um but i'm I'm glad it exists and oh me too i i'm i love everything about it yeah um and uh so we're gonna go ahead and dive into the crunch we've got some fun things coming uh so let's head over there chewing on the wires tearing up the floorboards crawling Faster than I can put them down These little demons kill one or two 
so let's 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 dive into uh, this crunch. Um, in typical holiday fashion, I we decided to do a few. We kind of went ham. We did a few. We did a few of them. I wouldn't say we went crazy, but um, so we start off with the Mogwai. We mm-hmm. wanted to do a, a stat block for the Mogwai, uh, and uh, Chris named these little guys the Fur Buddy. Yeah, because they're furry and they're buddies. Yeah, they are, but well, one are my those. buddies. <laughs> Uh, they are tiny humanoids, goblinoids, um, typically chaotic evil, although mm-hmm. Gizmo is obviously the exception. Gizmo is an outlier and should not be counted. <laughs> um, I gave him a low armor class of 10. I mean, I can't imagine these things are really hard to hit. You can kick them. Yep. Um, honestly, probably should have a lower armor class than that, but that's mean. Um, <laughs> they only have two hit points, which is 1d6 minus 4. Because <laughs> so they when have, you kick them, they will die. They will die. <laughs> Yep, they have a they have a negative two in constitution. Um, <laughs> speed of thirty feet, they're they're quick. They're nimble. Yeah, oh, and, thirty um, feet for a tiny creature is nuts. Yeah, um, they've got uh, six in strength, ten in dexterity. Their stats are bad, man. Yeah, their ba- their stats are bad. Their intelligence and their charisma are good. Yeah, um, charisma especially because I mean these things they're, are they're very cute. Even the mean ones are cute. Mm-hmm. Um, I gave them skill proficiencies in deception, sleight of hand, and stealth because they're also very mischievous and sneaky. Right. I mean, they actively try to become gremlins. Yes, yes. Um, all of them, except for Gizmo, of course. Who's an outlier and should not be counted. <laughs> uh, I gave them uh, languages. I gave them that they could understand common, but they can't speak it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they can speak goblin because they're goblinoids. That's kind yeah. of in line no, with 5th edition. And also, they clearly have their own language mm-hmm. that, like, Mr. Wang and Billy eventually can understand. Mm-hmm. So, um, Challenge rating of 1 8th. <laughs> They have a sunlight hypersensitivity ability or, or trait. Mm-hmm. Uh, while in bright light, the fur buddy has disadvantage on attack rolls as well as on wisdom perception checks that rely on sight. Um, at the beginning of its turn, if the fur buddy is in direct sunlight, it takes six radiant damage. Yeah, which will kill that thing dead no matter what. Yep. Uh, it also has the trait water spawning. If the fur buddy comes into contact with water, it spawns 1d6 more fur buddies at, that enter initiative on the next round. This applies only to water, not ice, not <laughs> fog, or any other liquid, such as alcohol. Yeah. <laughs> Just water. <laughs> water, not any other form of water, not any, like, material made from water. Just, Just water. Well, just water, yeah. <laughs> Um, and then they have the trait, unusual food allergy. <laughs> if and, and this one I had to take a slight liberty on, because when is after midnight? Yeah. Um, if the fur buddy consumes any food between the hours of midnight and 6 a.m. before the sun rises... Thank you. Uh, it magically transforms into a cocoon-like pod 1d4 hours after the consumption. While in the state, it is considered incapacitated. After an additional 1d4 hours, the fur buddy hatches from its cocoon as a fully grown... Mischief Goblin. <laughs> These things also have the trait Cuteness Defense. Any attacks targeting the Fur Buddy are made at disadvantage. It kind of reminds me of, like, from the uh, the Pokemon card game, how all the baby Pokemon have that really irritating <laughs> ability where it's like, you Cute might sleeping miss. face, yeah. yeah. Yep, pretty much. Um, and then its only action is a slam attack, uh, <laughs> plus two to hit, one bludgeoning damage. I mean, these it things are not combat savvy. <laughs> I don't, I don't know why that's so funny to me, but it's just like, they have, you. there's been a bunch of them spawned, they haven't ate yet, so they're still in fur buddy mode, and they're just bopping your party in the legs over and over again. I mean, it's one of those, I'd probably give them more, in, in the second Gremlins, we see one of them bite somebody. Right. Um, 
But we don't see that in this movie. No, and don't. Creature Crunch rules. Yeah. So, um, we'll have Fur Buddy 2.0 in this movie. Watch <laughs> Gremlins 2. Uh, <laughs> 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 I can't kick them. They're too cute. <laughs> I'm missing. Bop, 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 bop. There's like 40 of them. <laughs> why Why did I think this decanter of endless water would be a good idea? <laughs> well, that, that reminds me of like um, at near the end of the movie, and I should have brought this up in the actual movie, but I didn't until you mentioned that. They're like mentioning that in order to contain the chaos, there's Marines stationed outside of town with fire hoses. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's just like that is, that's not going to work the way you think it's going to, but man... <laughs> Oh man, no. There's there's some alternate fun alternate realities this movie imposes. Yeah. Uh, so moving along, we then have, as I mentioned, the mischief goblin mm-hmm. stat block, which is the evolution. Obviously, it's still a tiny humanoid goblinoid chaotic evil. And these things, um, because Gram- because uh, Gizmo is not a gremlin. No. Uh, they are always chaotic evil. I didn't put the typically thing okay. there. Yeah, but, that works. Um, armor class of twelve. They're a little harder to hit. Uh, and they've got a little bit more hit points at six. Yeah, but Billy's just a regular dude, and he cuts through one with a samurai sword. So. His mom kills three in, like, two rounds. Like, yeah, it's very true. So, His um, mom's a fighter class, though, so it's okay. Yeah. <laughs> uh, continue with the speed. Um, they have a slightly best boosted um, attributes. Uh, their strength and con are still pretty bad. Uh, their charisma has decreased, but their dexterity has increased to 15. So they're they're nimble and, and dexterous, so um, they have stealth and sleight of hand proficiencies, uh, passive perception of nine. Now they can fully speak common, right? Probably not well, but they yeah, speak yeah. common and goblin. And their challenge rating is increased to one fourth. Now uh, they they retain the sunlight sensitivity, um, mm-hmm. hypersensitivity trait, and then the water spawning one as well. Uh, only this time it spawns directly into mischief goblins rather than into more fur buddies. Yeah. And uh, they, 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 those are just kind of the same from for a buddy. Mm-hmm. Uh, then I also gave them pack tactics because Which makes sense. yeah, these things are swarm creatures in the movies. Like we see Santa Claus just covered in them, and he's having a bad day. <laughs> I mean, so the, the mischief goblin gains advantage on an attack roll mm-hmm. as long as there's a, an ally next to him. And then I also gave them the ability Nimble Escape, which is directly from the goblins. Because most of these stats I pulled from a combination of the goblin and the kobold. Yeah, that makes sense. And, They're very similar. Yep. And so the Mr. Goblin could take the disengage or hide action as a bonus action on each of its turns. They also have their claw attack, so it's boosted from the mm-hmm. slam attack. Uh, it's a plus four to hit. It deals an average of four slashing damage. Mm-hmm. Um, and then they have a projectile attack, uh, representative <laughs> when he's throwing plates at Billy's mom. Yeah. Uh, plus four to hit for bludgeoning damage, a range of only 10 to 30 feet. These things are not very strong. No. They're not throwing them very far. So, um, And then finally, I have the Mischief Goblin Leader, uh, who is my representation of Stripe. Uh, slightly boosted stats, slightly higher dexterity. He's got th- plus three in dexterity. Mm-hmm. Um, and like that's kind of the long and short of it. Uh, a challenge rating of one half. Just because he is a little bit more beefy. Right. Um, he's well, he got... doesn't have any more HP or AC, so he's the same. Right, but he, he can deal more damage. Okay. Uh, he's still got the sunlight hypersensitivity and water spawning traits, as well as the nimble escape traits, but I did take away his pack tactics. Okay. Because I gave him something else. 
Uh, he's got multi-attack for one, so he can make two claw attacks. He also has a gun. <laughs> he uses a gun twice in the movie. Yep. He's got a gun. Um, the gun deals uh, an average of seven piercing damage. So <laughs> then I gave him um, a, this another action called Pack Leader. Mm-hmm. The Mischief Goblin... Excuse me. The Mischief Goblin leader can command up to four other Mischief Goblins to immediately use the reaction to perform any action they can normally perform. Yeah. So, basically, you yeah, these things are meant to be swarm creatures. Yes, yes. So, those are our three stat blocks for mm-hmm. this movie. Um, I also included a, an optional variation rule that if uh, you want a fur buddy or even a mischief goblin as a familiar, if you do so, they simply lose the water spawning trait, and then the fur buddy also loses his unusual food allergy ability because that doesn't make sense. So, um, <laughs> as far as a familiar goes, but I figure you can still have fun with these guys as yeah. a familiar. So. It, it would be pretty awesome to have a Mogwai as a as a familiar, right? Um, and that's kind of what I have, uh, Chris. You really helped me a lot with these. Stat blocks. This was a collaborative effort. Yeah, it was a little more of a collaborative effort. Um, And I honestly think that we should probably start doing that more for the holiday episodes anyway. Probably. I've just kind of been letting you take the reins because I am notoriously lazy. So am I, but I Yeah, I'm making you do work, though. This is your show. (laughs) Remember, I am only 45% of the team here. Oh, last time it was at least. At least 45%. Now it's only. Yeah. But uh, but yeah, I, I I take it you don't have any other further notes on these guys no, or any comments. No, they're cool. I did kind of start kicking around the idea of action mom as a as a subclass for fighter. I may revisit that in the future. <laughs> I encourage it. Um, <laughs> I think that'd be a lot of fun. Yeah. Uh, I mean, if we were doing a kibbles for for yeah. our holiday but, episodes, that'd we're be perfect, planning on but... like maybe revisiting some stuff in the future. So that could be one that we revisit. Probably pretty soon, actually. Too, okay. Because, I mean, the next the next kibbles we have to record is Big Legend, so... Yeah. <laughs> do but... we want to do the fucking asshole subclass? <laughs> <laughs> all right. So, uh, so yeah. Thank you again, always as always, for uh, tuning in to Creature Crunch. We do really yeah, appreciate yeah. it. Uh, Hope you had fun with this. We had a ton of fun with this. Mm-hmm. Um, these holiday episodes are kind of... A blast to do, I have Th- to say. They're really fun. They're really Even, fun. like, when we did the Thanksgiving episode and that movie was... Rough. Was rough. Like, we're looking back at it, and the more we look back at it, the more fun we actually had with that episode. Just the actual act of watching the movie was pure psychological torture. Yeah, no, um, I, that was not enjoyable. But but recording the episode and, like, talking about it later have been a ton of fun. Mm-hmm. Uh, recording Ernest and this have both been just fun no the holiday episodes are, are we're, we're they're fun i'm they're enjoying fun. everything so i hope i hope that's coming through and i hope you guys are enjoying yeah, it as well like, uh, this was definitely one where i just talking about it like i had i had a big smile on my face the entire time <laughs> we, were, we were talking about this stuff right and uh yeah uh and if you have any requests for any movies or heck even any future holidays that yeah. you want us to cover or any holiday movies you want us to hit uh because i am not ruling out like we are going to be hitting up uh i think the next holiday is going to be valentine's day but like i mean black history month is a whole month um we've got like women's month and i mean a bunch of other smaller holidays that aren't really as recognized as they should be and i am more than willing to try to feature some of those in any of these uh so if you have any suggestions hit us up with those otherwise we're going to probably just kind of play it by ear Mm -hmm. um but you can hit us up at uh at creature crunch on twitter uh, please join our Patreon, Creature Crunch. We are the uh, exclusive uh, owners of the uh, the John Voight stat block, which uh, I do want to preface. I, I do want to kind of want to finally put a caveat on this. We do not condone jo- John Voight. Uh, <laughs> we, we have a lot of fun with that, but yeah. John Voight is a human being. 
No. Kind of a trash bag. Kind of a trash bag. Um, John Voight is a performance in Anaconda, however. Very funny. As hilarious and fun. Us owning the stat block for John Voight, also very funny. Exactly. So So, so we also own the stat block for a semi-truck. It's true. I don't know if we're the exclusive owners, but it doesn't matter. (laughs) I mean... (laughs) It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. It's fine. I don't know if that episode's actually going to be out by the time this one airs. They might show show it the same day. They come close. Yeah. They come close. Um, In fact, I think that it comes out yesterday. Okay. Cool. Good. Because Love and Monsters came out this past Friday. So yeah, Christine comes out Christmas Eve. Okay, cool. So Christine... yeah, by the time this episode comes out, we will have the semi-truck stat block. It's true. Um... If you ever want to have your players punch a semi-truck. <laughs> or avoid a semi-truck. You put that fucker in a hallway, they're toast. Long straight hallway, semi-truck coming towards them. What are they going to do? <laughs> they're going to die. They're going to die. <laughs> Join our Patreon. It's a lot of Join fun. Join our Patreon, we have a semi-truck. Um, also, this is officially, uh, at, at this point in time, the uh, the Patreon episodes, the Critter Kibbles, are a, lot, uh, a little bit more beefed up we, than they used to be. We've been a lot more experimental with what we put in there. We're doing subclasses, lineages. Magic um, items. Magic items. Yeah. Um, all sorts yeah, of fun weirdo stuff. stuff. So, uh, and we're trying to beef them up a little yeah, bit. Yeah, we're trying to make that to... definitely worth the, the $5. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're kicking around the idea of some other shows we could do for our Patreon as bonus episodes. I've got some. Uh, We've got, got some, some fun, fun ideas stuff coming down the I'd pipe. I'd really I like think. to start, even at, at the very least, experimenting with them. Yeah, see what so. we'll, we'll throw a lot of spaghetti and see what sticks. Yeah, probably, probably when we actually catch up on the critter kibbles and don't have a holiday every month. Yeah, but uh, and then finally, if you want to reach out to our email, uh, creaturecrunchpodcast at gmail dot com, and yeah, uh, and if you want to shout at us, uh, yell at us about. Whatever, or just share your gremlins' love <laughs> yeah. with us individually. Uh, where can we find you, Chris? Uh, you can find me on Twitter at the Library C. That's C E E. And you can hit me up on Twitter as well. Uh, I am at Danny underscore Hamsteak. Um, so thank you all for joining in. We really appreciate it, and uh, we will see you next time. Have a merry Christmas if you celebrate it. Have a great Saturday if not. Uh, yeah, and we'll see y'all uh, next year. What do you-